The Shooters Podcast has reloaded and is back on the air. Sharing shooting information, facts, and opinions of the shooting sports, the shooting industry, and shooting news. I'm your host. My name is Rick. Welcome to the Shooters Podcast. How young for the first gun or the first time shooting? Currently, at least in California, there's no legal restriction on the age of handling a firearm. Of course, you can't own one uh, until you're 21 years of age. Currently, a three-year-old can be taught how to safely handle a firearm, how to operate a basic bolt-action rifle. In fact, the youngest child to qualify for the first-level marksmanship in the NRA Marksmanship Qualification Program was a three-year-old girl. You know your child. Can they sit still? Can they take direction? You know, it's a very important question about when a child would be ready to be introduced to firearms, but also the safe handling of firearms, which long before there are any guns in the house or they have uh, any chance to go shooting with you, they should know about safe gun handling. As I mentioned before, the person that gets hurt when there's a gun accident is almost always the person standing next to the person with the gun who's handling it in an unsafe manner. So if your kids can learn that and also understand what safe gun handling looks like, then they know when it's time to run and get away from that other person. You know, preferably tell an adult so that other kid can get some uh, better instruction as well as that gun can be secured so that kids don't can't get it and start messing around with it. I know that in my uh, youth programs that I run, occasionally I get a shooter that comes out and they're a little bit antsy. You know, they can't sit still. And... You know, one time, um, the mother asked, is it going to be possible for him to participate? Because he's got ADHD, which attention deficit hyperactive disorder. I said, I don't think it's going to be an issue. We've got a lot of work here to do before we start shooting and getting instruction. And there was a lot of targets that had to be assembled. We have knocked down... Uh, targets that need to be assembled so we can just pull a rope and set them all back up. So a lot of it has to be screwed together. There's a lot of things to be moved around and target stands to be put up. So I told that one um, boy, I said, come over here, and I grabbed a Diet Pepsi can. I said, you see that line out there? I pointed at the 100-yard line. I said, where that target is? I said, I need this sitting right on top of that little dirt pile right there. Run it out there as fast as you can. Set it down and then come back. So he did that. And as he got back, I handed him a second Diet Pepsi can that was empty, and I said, now this one, I forgot to tell you, needs to be right next to that other one. So run out there as fast as you can, put it right next to the other one, and then run right back. 
At this point, one of his buddies wanted to join him, so they both ran out there, and then they ran back. During this time, some of the other kids were moving on and off the line, setting up targets at 15 yards and at 50 feet and at 50 yards. So there was a lot of activity. Uh, it's not like uh, <clears throat> anybody was at the firing line with a firearm. So he ran out there. He got back. He was beat. <clears throat> and that was the last uh, issue we would have had with any kind of hyperactivity. He was he took the edge off. Now he was able to focus and take some direction and and uh, you know learn to operate the guns and have a good time. Now I've had this conversation many times. All the time at my program, someone will come up at some point and usually ask, is my daughter too young? Is my son too young? Or a lot of times it's a uh, younger sibling to one of the kids already there in the program. I always mention that, you know, the child needs to be able to follow directions. You know, I explained that in the beginning, in my courses, and under my instruction, new shooters always start with an appropriate size rifle. Not a handgun, a rifle. If they don't have one, anytime I go to the range, I've always got uh, smaller rifles with us. We tend to just bring a little bit of everything when we go out to the range because it takes a little time to get there and we're going to have uh, a fun. We're going to make a, a day or at least a half day of it. You want them to have a positive, successful experience. You want them to have fun. You don't want you know, a, a small child to be trying to be introduced to a larger rifle that's going to knock them, you know, practically knock them down. I mean, there's, uh, like I say, plenty of idiots on uh, YouTube that have videos about that, and they're laughing all the way, and I personally think they're just that. They're idiots. They have no idea um, how badly they're actually hurting the uh, shooting sports because anybody can look at that and see it's not safe and anybody can look at that and see that those people are not having fun being injured and those people who get uh, hurt or knocked down you probably won't have a positive uh, you know experience with the firearm and later their outlook's not going to be too good certainly not going to be pro firearm and when it comes time for voting later they're going to say i really don't care what they do about guns that's not a good thing. If you decided that you did want to introduce your kids to guns or to um, shooting or just safe gun handling, you can have the discussions with them about keeping a gun always pointed in a safe direction, keeping your finger off the trigger till you're ready to shoot, and keeping a gun unloaded till you're ready to shoot. If they're very young children, you can tell them, you don't touch guns. Unless you, the parent, or the older sibling is there to assist them with it, they don't touch them. If they happen to come across a gun, leave it where it's at, get away from it, and come and tell an adult so it can be dealt with. As they get older and they want to get near and touch these guns and uh, have, you know, basically, they want to go shooting. Or they just want to handle them. You can sit down with a younger child even and have them help you clean your guns. You can explain how they work, how the actions work, how things move, how it operates. You know, generally, they if you have guns in the house, children know about them. Whether they have any interest in them or not, that, you know, time will tell. But they know you've got guns in the house, and they should be secured. You know, and as for, uh, you know, one gun for home protection or a couple of guns, if they're not on your person, then, you know, they need to be secured. But that's a that's a whole other episode. <laughs>
Um, there's plenty of videos online that show uh, just mechanically, kind of in a uh, animated way, how firearms operate, how ammunition operates. It's good for the shooters to understand what's happening. The gunpowder is burning, how it starts to burn, how the pressure builds up, and it pushes these bullets down the barrel. And when they come out, they're going very, very fast. So they understand what's happening and that the pop is literally just the um, noise of the bullet coming out with the last bit of burned powder expelling and uh, burning off as they're... Uh, exiting the barrel and they it just makes it more understandable as to what's happening things aren't as abrupt or as startling if you understand what's going on so even shooting a gun and a gun going off it's not going to be as startling if you like you say explain if you explain the process and they understand the process at a time when the kids are interested you know, they can learn some fairly detailed information. More of it sticks than you think. In the number one rule of always keep a firearm pointed in a safe direction, it comes down to muzzle control. Muzzle control is a lot easier to maintain with a rifle than a handgun. Even if someone's going to end up, even on that same day, shooting a handgun, you'd want to start them with a rifle so they can get some confidence and they can understand how important it is to keep it pointed in a safe direction. Every time when we start a new shooter, either I or a coach will be right next to the shooter, close enough to physically to take control of the firearm if necessary, or to restrict the movement of the muzzle so that it can't be pointed in an unsafe direction. And if it started to move down the line to the left or the right, you would literally put your hand up and block the movement of the rifle and say let's keep that pointed down range okay it's not safe to go left or right let's keep it pointed down range you don't shout and get mad and angry and fly off the handle about oh you can't do that you're gonna hurt somebody you're gonna do this or that you're gonna shoot somebody no you don't freak out you don't make it a hysterical scene you just direct the rifle pointed right back down range and say, keep your rifle pointed down range. It's not safe to point left or right. Uh, for whatever reason, whether there's people or vehicles over there, down range is the only safe direction. Let's keep the firearm pointed down range. Repeating that and over as you're directing them to keep it down range, when they're excited in the first beginning shooting, that can occur. They want, oh my gosh, look at this. And sometimes they practically want to turn around. Hey mom, look at this. Hey dad, look at this. And in doing so, they might point their firearm in an unsafe direction. In the beginning, that's why I keep a, close, a coach very close at hand. Another good reason to have a coach very close at hand, aside from muzzle control, is it makes it easier for them to closely watch trigger control. They can even see sight alignment whether they're flinching or blinking and such. So you explain this to the shooter as well and the parents and the guardian ahead of time so that nothing that's going to occur is a surprise. There's nothing unexpected. They know what to expect on the line and how it's going to operate. And dry firing, which is literally just firing the, uh, not firing, but uh, pulling the trigger and dropping the firing pin on an empty chamber, is very effective in learning how to safely handle the firearm, how to operate it, and how to safely shoot. We use dummy cartridges that are able to be used to operate, go through the loading, 
simulate the firing and unloading of each of the firearms, and it allows them to physically handle it as if it were a live round, place it in the gun to operate the the action, the the bolt, and so forth, and it gets them used to the motions over and over of loading, firing, unloading, and also it can be used to help with their sight alignment, their sight picture, they can and their trigger squeeze because they can drop the um, firing pin on these dummy rounds all day long. There was a time, and there still are guns out there, that people will tell you, you never drop the firing pin on an empty chamber. You can break the firing pin. This is true for older guns. I have a number of guns in my program that are 40, 50, 60, probably a couple of them that are even 70 years old, um, some 22 rifles. And in each one of those, probably four I believe now, I have replaced a firing pin because it did break, and it was from dry firing. Modern firearms, anything that's probably 30 years now or uh, newer, you can drop a firing pin on an empty chamber all day long. It's not going to hurt. The materials they use are a stronger steel now and they're machined better, and they're not going to hurt by ending up on a uh, empty chamber, which basically puts all the uh, stress in the gun on the portion of the pin or the slide of metal that really is that uh, hits a stop about halfway down, and that's usually the point where it would break on the older guns. But newer guns are literally designed to be dry-fired because dry-firing is a very... Um, necessary training tool and it helps anybody working on their trigger squeeze and their side alignment so dry firing is okay. Part of learning about safely handling the firearms is eye protection and ear protection. Ear protection is is a no-brainer but eye protection some people you'll see especially in a lot of videos on YouTube it's a great place to learn what not to do um, you'll see people shooting without safety glasses on. The bullets are generally never going to be coming back at you. However, pieces of those bullets, when you shoot into the dirt and they kick up pieces of dirt, rocks and sand, or they uh, shatter on a steel target, pieces of those bullets can bounce back and hit you. And if they hit you on the arm or the leg, it might sting a little bit, maybe. If it hits you in the eye, it could seriously injure you and it could cost you your eye. And that type of uh, splatter can occur at any time. Or there could be an accident closer to you than uh, somebody just ejecting a shell out of a gun near you. That could hit you in the eye and that would hurt. So always wear eye protection. Once they've learned the safety how to safely operate it, keeping it pointed down range or in a safe direction, and they're comfortable with a coach being close to them and instructing them. Then, if handguns are part of the equation, handguns would be brought into the mix. They can learn the same procedures and the operations with dummy rounds in a handgun. My program uses both single-action revolvers and semi-automatic pistols. Most think the old western revolvers are pretty cool, at least for a bit, while they're learning. Muzzle control with a handgun is extremely important because it can be pointed in an unsafe direction very easily. Just a turn of your wrist.
When a shooter starts learning about shooting a handgun, the coach is even closer to the shooter, less than a foot away. Being able to restrict the muzzle direction by the coach is important. The very first shot. Now, the mystery and the unknown create anxiety. Everything should be broken down step by step, one thing at a time. I always have the new shooters fire their first shot into an open space out towards the 100-yard berm, or that's our impact area, just to get the feel of the recoil and the reaction of the gun. No sight picture to worry about, just fire a shot. Mystery eliminated. You can offer a second shot or a third. Now they can relax and work on the rest and put it all together. Success is the goal, of course, and feedback is important. Initially, we put targets out about 10 to 15 feet away. Yes, that's close, but we want them to be able to hit it right away. An 8-inch black shoot-and-see target gives excellent feedback. Each time you hit a shoot-and-see target, the black target is uh, wherever the bullet went through transforms into a bright orange or a bright yellow uh, um, fluorescent green type uh, spot so you know exactly where you hit. That again is important because they realize it works. What they've been told about sight alignment, sight picture, and sight or, uh, trigger squeeze, it all works. Plus, it's always fun to hit the target in the beginning, right? Well, the beginning steps can be mentally exhausting, especially for beginners. Take breaks. Bring some drinks, bring some snacks if you're going to be out there a while. My daughters usually would take uh, a break and do some coloring and some coloring books for just a little bit, have something to drink, and then back to the guns. Younger siblings always want to be into whatever the older brother and the older sister are doing. I always get that interested siblings that come up and ask if they're going to be able to shoot or when they're going to be able to shoot. And, of course, that's a good time because there's interest to start talking to them about uh, pointing in a safe direction, finger off the trigger, keeping the gun unloaded, that type of thing. But also it's a good time to mention, hey, if you ever happen to come across a gun at your friend's house or anywhere else, don't touch it. Just leave it alone. Go tell an adult. Okay, get away from it. And you kind of put that into their mind that if there's not someone there to help you with the gun and to show you how to use it you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, be even considering touching it or getting near it so it always starts early and I mean it should start early I should say but the interest is always there when they see the older kids uh, involved in shooting they want to do it and depending on their age and their abilities you might be able to introduce them to a nice uh, bolt-action rifle and gives you an opportunity to point out uh, for them to watch and you can point out that's what safe gun handling looks like now some kids have shown up with family heirlooms sometimes the gun is just too big or too powerful or no longer functioning safely. And I let everyone know who might show up for my uh, youth programs that they're welcome to bring their own firearms, but every firearm will be inspected by me, uh, basically a safe operations check. And I tell them, I'm just going to make sure safety works and that the gun operates as it was designed. And, you know, make sure there have been times when the bolt would not lock closed because it turns out the frame was cracked. But those are the things you come across. So... There have been a few I've had to send home and tell them, you know, this should be a wall hanger. You know, it's kind of a family heirloom, and you should probably never fire it again. 
There are some things that uh, can't be fixed on an older gun, like you know a cracked chamber and that type of thing, or a hole or a big large pit in the barrel that makes it look unsafe. You just don't want to take any chances, especially with the older firearms. One small shooter brought out his grandfather's 10-gauge shotgun, and those are, you know, they're just a beast. That's a goose gun. It's a, it shoots a, you know, a heavy shotgun load very high in the sky to shoot geese who are flying overhead. So, uh, granddad wasn't around anymore. The gun had come to him when he was younger. Now he thought, you know, he is shooting shotgun in my program up to a 12 gauge and he brought out this 10 gauge and he wanted to fire it at least once. Smaller shooters can shoot larger firearms safely. However, they have to know the right technique. The way to hold it, the way to brace yourself into it, the way to basically use your entire upper body as a shock absorber so you're not just taking it braced against your shoulder, especially not leaning back and having it knock you back further, that type of thing. So we worked up to it. We got him warmed up with a 20 gauge and then a 12 gauge quite a bit to learn how to own the recoil so the recoil didn't own him. I had him wear a shoulder pad because... He knew what to expect, and he knew it wouldn't be comfortable. No 10-gauge, 8-gauge, or 4-gauge is ever comfortable to shoot. However, it was his grandfather's gun. He fired that one shot. He kept control of it just fine. He did not want a second shot. At least not right away. I think maybe in a couple of years. But we accomplished what he wanted. Then he spent a while firing the rimfire on some reactive steel. A day out at the range is all about risk management. You look over a situation, look at who's involved, what equipment you're using, and go, what could go wrong? Looks like nothing could go wrong, you're good to go. If there's something that looks like it needs to be addressed, then you address it. Almost all of our shooting, especially in the beginning, takes place either prone down on the concrete on the firing line, or at a shooting bench. Only when they become more experienced and have shown that they can handle the firearm safely do we have them stand or try any of the other um, positions for shooting, from uh, standing or kneeling uh, or sitting and so forth. But if you have the equipment available and you can sit at a shooting bench, and sometimes when we've got, we only have 10 shooting benches on our range, but we have 20 shooting positions, a lot of times we'll start setting up portable tables. Um, and these are just plastic six-foot folding tables with a uh, chair in front of each one of them, or actually two chairs in front of them. And each shooter gets three feet of table, and they use that as a shooting bench. And sometimes they'll use a rifle rest too, depending on how far they're shooting or how comfortable they're shooting. And a lot of times they'll just get their elbows up on the table and uh, set up into a good uh, stabilized uh, shooting position. But just a six-foot folding table works just fine. They lean out onto it, get their elbows uh, you know, rested, and get, a, get the firearm braced. They can have a good time. Plus it saves on uh, the wear and tear on the little arms holding up the guns for very long. Because, you know, holding up a, a four- to six-pound gun 
for 20, 30 minutes will definitely wear you out, especially little arms. And you want them to have fun because you want the next time you want to go shooting or they want to, you know, ask you to go, you want it to, you don't want to see a look of dread in their face and go, oh man, I'm not sure I can handle that again. That was killing me. So always try and make it comfortable, make it enjoyable, and make sure they have fun. And as you teach them to be safe at every step of the way, they'll always be safe. And the best thing about it is they will recognize unsafe gun handling and say, whoa, it is time to get out of here. Take care. Be sure to subscribe and check out my website at shooterspodcast.com. Take care. That's it for this episode. Thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing to the Shooters Podcast. Please visit my website at shooterspodcast.com and read and share my shooting blog.